0: He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! the OG of Jets podcasting and blogging, is back.
1: Just when I thought I was out, they pull
0: me back in. Live from the Vivid Seats studios, use the promo code Overtime for up to $100 off your first ticket purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts chef travis milton and josh conrad on turn on the jets digital
2: welcome back to there's always next year uh and there might always be next year uh and i'm your host brian bassett you can follow me on twitter at brian underscore bassett with me today are josh conrad who you can find on twitter at josh underscore conrad and travis milton who you'll be hearing from later he's at dash 37 board 37 or 27 excuse me but the trick today is we had a bit of a scheduling snafu. It's my fault. Um, so I am going to be talking with Josh one-on-one. I'm going to be talking with Travis one-on-one. And I will do some post-production magic to figure out how to make it all work together. Um, but, but first off, uh, Josh, like, is there any place to start after yesterday's game? Like When, when you think about yesterday's game and watching it, um, is there any place to start? Yes or no?
3: I think where we start is that we have now made the the word Vedvik into a verb, and the Jets really Vedviked <laughs> up that game.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a great place to start. Uh, but before we do, uh, we will definitely get to Vedvik. Um, we need to talk about how we dulled the pain of that loss. I think that it will be a theme. It was a theme for us last year. Um, it, in the case of Travis involved a lot of bourbon for me, it involved a lot of you know crying in a corner of a shower. Um, but, uh, but so I'm curious to know Josh and Travis, uh, how did you dull the pain of that loss? And I'll, I'll start and I'll say that it was actually not that painful for me for a number of reasons. So my life is moving into a phase where my kids are, you know, and their needs and wants and things they want to do, overtakes what I want to do. And so what my son, my nine-year-old son wants to do is play football. And we have, uh, you know, talked a long time about this. And so we've come to the compromise of letting him play flag football this year. Um, And so he had his first practice and game yesterday uh, and it was right during the time of the game. So I was actually uh, at a local high school watching my son play, you know, kind of five on five flag and it was a lot of fun, um, and I accidentally forgot my phone, so I couldn't even keep up with the game. But I ended up sitting next to a Jets fan, uh, a guy named Buddy, and he was giving me updates. And then, but really, it wasn't until the end where he's like, "We lost by one point," and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He's like, "I watched enough to see that there were four turnovers and that there were some missed kicks." Uh, and that was the last I heard. So not surprising, but you know, just kind of like I was laughing, and then I, you know, watched my son, you know, run for nine yards and get a first down on in flag football. So it was it was not that painful for me. Um, and I think this might be a theme of the show of like I used to care so deeply about this, and I still do love this team, but at the same time, like the losses are not as painful for me any more, and I think it's because there's other things for me. So, Josh, what what was it that you did to kind of move past the game? You watched it live. Um, what uh, what did you do to move past the game?
3: Yeah, so I, I watched it, all of it live, and then, you know, when you get to a 16 nothing lead, you know, the natural thing for a 35-year-old man with children is to, like, just kind of start to slowly disengage your mind from the game because you feel so confident and you feel really good about, right. you know, a bunch of turnovers for the jets in the first half, like seemingly had this game in hand. Um, and so, you know, you kind of start paying attention to your kids and then you look up and I got 16, three, it's not a big deal. And, and then, and then when it gets to 16, 10, you're like, are you, like, the thing that happens in Jets fans' minds, and listeners, we know you know this, you just go, oh, great, I can't wait to see how they're going to screw this thing up. Like, they're totally going to lose this game because of a, mixed, a missed PAT and a missed chip shot field goal in the first half. And so um, as they lost, my, my wife and I were we were getting ready to go to a concert here in Connecticut, uh, a beautiful facility called the, X, the Xfinity Theater. It's one of... Dave Matthews' favorite spots. But well, we actually saw uh, the Zach Brown band, and so if you've no, never seen Zach Brown, um, listen, I'm a 35 year old guy, white guy. I, there were four four thousand of me at this concert, um, <laughs> so I, I got lost in a sea actually, of myself. There two thousand of
4: you,
2: and there was two thousand of me at that concert. Yeah, and
3: yeah, it, it was fantastic. It, it just you kept looking at guys like. That's just like a computer simulation of me, and then there's another one, and then there's another one. Um, so you know it's it's a fun concert they they obviously you know kind of are, are all over the spectrum in terms of the genres that they'll hit. They did some cool covers, but we we basically went and as as we got close to the state as we got close to the theater, I just let my wife know like because she was kind of, she had not watched the game with me. She's like, well, what, what happened with the Jets today? And that conversation never goes well as a Jets fan. So I, I kind of let her know, you know, they had a big lead and they forced all these turnovers in the first half. It was like, felt like that Lions game from last year, just like a total bloodbath felt really, really good, except that this one did the complete opposite way. And so I told her the moment we park, I need a cold beer in my hand. And so, (laughs) and again, like it's Zach Brown band. And so everyone's got a beer. So, you know, a couple of, couple of beverages, a little bit of a chill set from, from Zach Brown, the the beginnings of a crisp fall here in new England. It was, it was a nice release in terms of, yeah, you know, 10 years ago, it was probably a lot more bourbon and now it's a lot more, just put on some Zach Brown, give me a beer and, let me kick my feet off with my bad, Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But annoying. It, it, it's it's less painful and more annoying if that makes sense at this point.
1: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
2: Travis what did you think about the game and how did you dull the pain of that loss
5: I think everyone is going to be completely and thoroughly shocked uh <laughs> by my answer to this and uh what? I yeah um I drank some whiskey no <laughs> <laughs> and well the, I I also uh, I uh instead of instead of drinking white claws uh I, I, you know there's 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 apparently going to be a shortage so I'm doing my part and I had some Trulies, which were highly mediocre, but, but okay. Okay. And then I watched the Patriots game with one of my best friends who is a damn Patriots fan.
2: (laughs) So I have a question for you. Couldn't we just make our own white claws? Like I know that there's a white claw shortage and everybody's panicking, but like, couldn't you just essentially take a LaCroix and drop some like, you know, flavored moonshine or, you know, white, let's call it white whiskey, you know, into that. Isn't that essentially the same thing, Travis?
5: Kind of. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the the cooler part is to take the white claw and put it in to vodka <laughs>
4: <laughs> or, or white see. wine. So like, a, I, a weaponizing,
2: a, you're weaponizing white claws. That's really exactly. what we're trying to do.
5: I've, I've got a weird thing for like white wine spritzers. I, I like yes. don't don't. Like, don't well, you judge love me. the
2: Golden Girls, so of course you're going to love white
5: wine spritz. Yeah, of That's course, no of course. And, uh, you know, you, you take like a, a lime white claw and you put it in, you know, some white wine and you just sit on a porch and it's freaking awesome.
2: So, so whiskey, I need to know, was there a specific brand? Did you go rail just because you got oh, rock yeah. gut? I
5: went, I went with the straight up go-to for most kitchen employees, the, the lowest of the low. The good old Kentucky gentleman, the the greatest and most wonderful seven dollar fifth you'll ever buy.
2: Oh man, I, I have a question for you. So I like Kentucky gentlemen and you know old granddad, but like ancient, ancient age, ancient age is great. Give me your thoughts on that.
5: Ancient age is okay. wonderful. Like okay, I, I, so,
2: and it's and it's cheap as hell, right? Like it's it is. I, I don't know. I, I it don't. Is. It's hard to find these days, but it's it's
0: pretty yeah
5: because cool. most most people have realized that it's really good and it's really cheap. Like it's actually good. Old Forester another one like in that kind of uh, spot. Anything that says old on it is probably good. <laughs> old Granddad, Old Forester, very like old Barton, very old Barton. Like all those are like really solid, but pretty cheap whiskeys.
2: Okay, so kind of just like with scotch, just anything with glen in it and you're good. It's just yeah, exactly. Anything with old in, in, a, in a whiskey, American whiskey, and you're, and you're
5: good. All right. But the great That's... thing about Kentucky gentlemen and those is like, the, you know, those are the go-tos for when you need quantity and not quality. And right. a, a loss like yesterday was, was very uh, – Quality very was required. Quantity because there was no quality really anywhere outside of lemeon Bell's feet.
2: All right. So thanks, Travis. So now we're going to do something new. I don't know if we'll do this every week. We'll see how people like or respond to this. But Josh, we are going to, and Travis, we are going to check the timeline. So this is our opportunity to go out to Twitter, look and see what people are posting in regards to their reactions to the game. That's just a good short snippet uh, of kind of (laughs) how we're feeling and just a chance for us to kind of, you know, Pay some attention and love to our friends. So, Josh, what did you find when you checked the timeline?
3: Yeah, so when I opened up Twitter this morning, um, I found I found the man, the myth, the legend himself, Joe Joe Caparoso's tweet that just said "Good morning to everybody" except Kari Vedvik. Um, and listen, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever have to utter that name again on this podcast. No, I, I, I am so fired. You.
2: We're taping this Monday morning. He's going to be so fired by the time this podcast is is live in the feed, right? I mean, he's gone tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah, he's
3: getting getting the
2: Vedvik out of Florham
3: Park some point today.
2: And, I mean, I think that was a thing. Uh, You know, we'll get into special teams a little bit more. But, right, that was a fraught – Recipe for disaster We'll we'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute But yeah, so it's my turn So what I would say is I saw this tweet And it actually struck a chord with me And I kind of hinted about this early And it's from our man Pauly uh, Pauly underscore B-U-R-Z And he says I wish I liked things like Apple picking and paint And sip, I think that's supposed to be Shit, because it's probably Better usage of time than Watching the Jets, and so I think that's Yep, Exactly. And it's like, you know what? I love going apple picking with my kids. It's really fun. I get to put them on my shoulders. They, you know, smash me into a tree and I get twigs in my eyes, but I get to go home with a bunch of, you know, a big bag of apples and a pumpkin. And you know what? That's pretty satisfying. That's, that's doing that with my children is a lot more satisfying um, than watching my team lose by one point. Um, you know, even if it's in, you know, in time delay, uh, you know, and in a game that basically just, you know, they, they, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And so, so yeah, I would say, I think when I think about that, I think about my life and I'm like, I have a pretty good life, amazing life. I have, you know, wonderful children. I have, you know, extended family that I love, you know, take care of me. And certainly they make fun of me for being a Jets fan, but that's okay. But you know, yeah, it's, I guess what I would say is as much as I love this team, I love so many other things that, you know, it kind of, let's say, makes the low places flat. <laughs> yeah. Is that a fair, fair way to characterize it? So, yeah, um, Travis, I, 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 what, what do you think about this? Um, when you looked at the timeline, what did you, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say the
3: idea of getting tw- twigs shoved in my eyeballs sounds infinitely more enjoyable at this point than watching this. <laughs> and we're one week in, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah,
2: there's plenty yeah. more to go. Yeah, my kids are hilarious Like, because the apples are never at their height. And so like they always want to pick the apples. And it's like it shouldn't just be mom and dad picking the apples. So invariably the easiest way to do it because there's no ladders or anything like that is um you know to put them on my shoulders but that right that that involves me smashing my face into into trees uh and then you know leaning forward and pushing me gouging my eyes with with more and anyway yeah but that, you know the uh the uh, the desserts that come thereafter are are, are worth the uh, worth the payoff. It's delicious. Yes. Um, so so anyway, Travis, uh, what did you think uh, when, when you checked the timeline? What'd you find?
5: I've got actually two, and uh, they both come from my fellow white claw enthusiast and uh, your pick as well, Pauly, <laughs> um, who, who's now going by Clawley on uh, Twitter. Yes. Good call. <laughs> um, so the first one is. Uh, the it, it's very simple it just says i hate being a jets fan i mean this <laughs> and then my second one i you know it, it's just the, the connection with me was so strong uh it it goes i am drunk if i've pissed people off i'm probably sorry the jets ruined my life you don't sorry bye <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's right. It's a nice way to say like I got mad at people because people were being stupid, but it's not the people being stupid that's really my problem. I am self actualized enough to realize it's something else, and so like I'm at least coming back on on that, realizing you know re- realizing the folly of my way, and kind of where the the root of this sin lies. And i and I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that. I'm not gonna focus on people. Uh, so yeah, so it was, it was a very self-actualized drunk tweet, which I very much respected. He had another one in there too, which was like, it was super, uh, nostalgic and sad. And it was, it was something like, um, I'm going to get it wrong, but it was like, I wish I could go back to being 10 years old and
5: pick a different team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would hit home too.
2: Yeah. That would hit home too. And it's funny because I had the conversation with my son who, um, like This might be sacrilege for many Jets fans out there, and that's okay by me. Fine, whatever. I've basically told him, like, pick a team you love. Do not pick the team that I love. Like, I'm fine with the choice I've made. It's been a tough road to hoe, uh, but you should – so pick something you enjoy and So essentially what he does is he's like He's a super fair weather fan And so he'll just pick a team that's hot Right so it's like you know a couple of years ago It was the Vikings and you know Like I think we watched a little bit of the uh, the Cardinals game the end of the Cardinals game last night So I think he's going to be a Kyler Murray fan this year um, So yeah so I'm like That's fine just you know He'll 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 pick his own misery or glory, and it will be his choice, and it will not be the sins of his father that have. Uh, <laughs> that
5: yeah, have I, 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 I quote uh, I quote Michael Clark Duncan from uh, the Talladega Nights. Don't you put that evil on me? That's the way, exactly. <laughs> the way I, uh, I look at. It. If I ever have a <laughs> child, uh, I'm going to steer them clear of being a chef and a jet sand. I might go ahead and encourage the Dodger thing because we we've, we're on a pretty good pretty good yeah, roll with that, yeah. but. Um, the UVA thing, absolutely. But the Jet, the Jets. I'm gonna leave that wide open for him. Like you right. pick a team. Actually, I'm not even gonna leave that wide. open I might even mandate you do not like the Jets. Yeah, right?
2: Yeah. That's that. That yeah. The problem is though, like when he's a teen, teenager, teenager, he would be like He's
5: be gonna Dad, run the bell and he's like, oh, <laughs> I'm a Jets the fan, jets. Dad. Deal That's with right. it. Yeah. <laughs> Except my life, Dad. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
2: Let's talk a little bit about the game. Josh, we're going to focus on a couple areas. When I talk with Travis, he'll focus on a couple areas. Um, so let's start where you started, which was good morning to everyone except for Kari Vigvik. Um Special teams. So I have a question for you. What could possibly go wrong when you rely on a previously cut fifth-round place kicker?
3: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how they – would have foreseen any issues with with this being our plan.
2: Yeah, he's a rookie kicker who the team who drafted him didn't even think he was good enough to make their squad. So, like, I mean, I I don't understand why this didn't – and they brought him in a week ago. So I don't understand what the problem is. Like, what could possibly go wrong here? And, like, to me, that is, like, the height of narcissism. Like, there had to be some veteran kicker – that's better than this guy. And while it's great to try and take take a chance, like this is not the time and the place when your first game is against an AFC East opponent to be taking chances. I mean, right? That's you know, division is everything, and and basically that. I mean, I, I like Je- I like Douglas. I like Douglas, but uh, but at the same time, like that's a little bit narcissistic to think that that was going to work, don't you think? Yeah, I. It, it, this felt
3: like. Like, even on a personnel level, it felt like, well, anybody can make a field goal in today's NFL. These guys are so specializing. It's like, well, clearly not, because we we watched the Bears in the playoffs last year. We've seen Seattle... Kickers miss big field it was like, this is not just a given where you just throw any guy in on the cheapest form of a contract or no incentives, not having to give up a draft pick, all these things. And it's like, can we just bring in a competent kicker, spend a sixth rounder, spend a little bit more um, of, of our, you know, kind of collective general managing time in terms of finding a guy who's just going to be reliable. Like I know this has been a revolving door for the jets for the last few years, but man, I always felt confident in a guy like Nick folk. Like I felt like he's probably going to make this kick like when it was under 40 yards. And so now with Vedvik going out, I mean, nothing feels, nothing feels secure. And that's, that's the problem is that when, when there's not a, 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 confidence in your kicker that's the point at which you have to make a move so even after one week man they have to make a move this week get some new guys in the building sign a guy by Wednesday and just like even if it's a rotation of that like there has to be a level of confidence that you get to at some point in this season where you feel like this guy's going to make this kick because listen we left four points out there we win the game if if he doesn't miss that PAT or miss the field goal like they probably win that game the lead is probably safe there's not going to be enough time in the fourth quarter for the for the Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills to make the comeback that they did. So, man, it's got to be a move they make very quickly here because this is this is just you can't have this happen.
2: I mean, and I know you know they had one of the best special teams units um, last year, and and you know I I was I was not expecting that they were going to come back and you know keep that continuity because because you can't because you don't have the same coaches you know. But at the same time, right, you look at Right, you look at that. I mean, that that is ultimately you know where where you're looking to, to you know to determine how your special teams is doing. That's always going to be the first place. But I mean, you know, I don't even think their you know their their punting and return game was was that was that great either. Um, and so you know this this unit all around is going to have some trouble this year. Um, so so yeah, we'll just have to see you know how this plays out. But right, I just I cannot imagine that kid is. Is kicking for the Jets uh, this coming week. It's it, a move will be made today, Monday. Um, all right. So, so let's talk more about um, Adam Gase, right? So, and the play calling and the execution of the offense. So, the Jets, you know, they they go out, right? They bring in Le'Veon Bell. Um, they add Jameson Crowder. Um, Robbie Anderson is in the mix. Quincy Nunn was in the mix. Um, and basically, what we saw was, you know, was Le'Veon Bell, you know, playing playing the majority of the game and then, you know, a lot of passes to Jameson and Crowder and really not much else working. I mean, did anything else, let's just talk about the positives first. Did you see anything else that was working um, in terms of like the play calling execution of the offense?
3: Uh, n- no. Like clearly it was it was an uninspiring offensive game. You know, having a guy like Lev Bell you know when he rips off. I mean, in the second quarter, there was a couple like you know
2: six, seven, nine yard runs. It made you feel like, oh my gosh, we have a. He time was doing back. it with trash, right? Like yeah. I'll get into this with Travis, but like he was doing it with trash. Like it was so sloppy. The line play was so sloppy, and he was still making seven yards out of essentially nothing, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, and 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 so that that's obviously a positive to me is that you know we we have a running game that with a semblance of an offensive line in front of him is is going to be you know in the top ten. Kind of yards, yards, guys, this season. So I felt good about that. You know, I also it felt like, and and I know you know there's been some varying discussion on this. You know, is it's a guy of Jameson Crowder's ilk? Um, uh, is he worthy of 14 targets? And it's you know more targets than that, but 14 catches. And listen, on a day when nothing else is working, you just figure out what to do. And so a guy like Crowder, who just caught everything. You know, everything was six and six to 10 yards. But man, everything felt like. We have a guy that moves the chains and like that was really exciting to me. Like I, I looked up the stats. So six of his fourteen catches were for first downs hmm. and then four of those happened on third down. Like we have a chain moving wide receiver. Like this yeah, is a good I... element of a of a capable offense. And so obviously, you know, they're going to have to figure out the the, the longer shots with, with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunwa, like getting him in some space where he can make some moves, But and getting time on Dumbry involved. You know, we barely saw him yesterday, but, you know, I, I feel good about the fact that those two things are in place, and, you know, as the season builds, um, I'm hopeful that we get a little bit more of an inspired game plan um, that revolves around a competent offensive line. I will leave offensive line porn talk in, in the capable hands of one <laughs> Travis Mullen. But, right. um, you know, in terms of the, the special positions, you know, the skilled positions, I felt like we, I saw things yesterday I liked. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't totally down on, on the offense in terms of overall, they didn't play very well, but I saw things that I did like.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we're going to see what Le'Veon Bill is, right? I mean, certainly we did not expect he was going to have his level of production he had with the Steelers. Um, coming to the Jets. We expected he'd be he'd be good, maybe not great. Um, but right, I mean in terms of Montgomery, you mentioned Montgomery there. I would just like to see him more. I don't think he's necessarily this amazing weapon. Um I mean he could maybe he could be a, he's certainly versatile, but I would say more than anything, like I was just surprised that the load that they gave him kind of coming back off you know off a, a full year out. And so more than anything, like I would just like to see them mix montgomery in a bit more just to give levy on a little bit of a rest um because you know, it's going to be a long season it, obviously it's going to be a long season he's going to have to you know do a lot of the work um with a bad offensive line um and i mean you know it comes down to that like obviously offensive lines help running backs but they, i'm like good running backs make plays you know just you know i.e. Saquon Barkley, LaDainian Thompson, the early years of his career. You know, the, the examples go on and on. But, right, I, I do like the fact that Jamison Crowder was was getting involved. And I think people are a little down on Sam Darnold after that game yesterday. But, I mean, I think we do have to talk about the fact that, like, that is one of, as we talked about last week, one of the best secondaries in football. Um, and yeah. so, like, while Robbie Anderson, um, you know, he had a rough game. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um it, that was not unexpected to me. I didn't expect Robbie Anderson was going to do much in this game because Travis White and the rest of the group there is so good. Like, they were going to shut him down. And I, mean, I think we need to talk about it, and we've talked about this in years past, and I love Robbie Anderson in a certain role, but, like, he is not an alpha. Like, he is a fake alpha, as best I can tell. I mean, just that play at the end of the game where – like you probably know the play I'm talking about where it was kind of a long bomb to the left side of the field and the ball's up in the air. and He is crouching down to catch a pass where the cornerback, I don't know who it was, is going up in the air. He's like, what are you doing now? Was the ball underthrown a little bit? Sure. But, like, you've got to contest that catch, man. Like, what are you doing? And so that, to me, is one of the biggest things that will always limit Robbie Anderson, because he's only what? I mean, he's super tall, but he's like 180 pounds, 190 pounds, dripping wet. So, like, he just is not going to make those contested catches. He's going to make plays in space. He's just not the alpha that people think he is. Yeah, he's he, he's that play
3: in, in particular. It was like you could you could superimpose some college uniforms on and put him back into UMass masters and you feel like oh, like. That's probably how you pulled this off in college is like the the corner wasn't going to make the play on the ball. Um, and so you could just like crouch behind him and, and kind of make, make the catch on the ground. It was just, man, it was ridiculous. I felt like that that was just an encapsulation of where I feel like he's at, where he doesn't seem either willing or able to compete for things like like, like that pass. I mean, that's a that's that is a do or die. We have to make a play right now. Like you've got to go throw your body into the middle of that. And if he doesn't feel comfortable doing that, then you're right. Like he's a fake, he's a fake number one. Like he, he can't be like either we consider a number one receiver, you know, in, in the likes of, you know, 15 other guys in the league. So, you know, if he's not going to go and make a play on that ball, like, He's a deep threat guy, and that's how Adam Gase is going to have to use him. not expecting him to be, you know, the, the, the Mike Evans or the even like a Juju Smith-Schuster, like a guy that's going to make that play um, in, in a crowd um, and go get the ball. If he's a fake alpha, would you call him a falfa? A falfa would be a perfect – like he is a falfa. Like that's a perfect <laughs> phrase. And it feels so demeaning. It sounds so rough to be called a falfa, but listen, you got to call it what it is. Oh,
2: man. Uh, well, hey. Um, so, <laughs> with that in mind, like, I just need to quickly go through who he's going to be playing over the first eight, nine weeks of the season. All right? So, week one, probably, this, this was a, a tweet by Mike Clay of ESPN back over the summer. Um, shattered by Tredavious White. Week two, shattered by Denzel Ward. Week three, shattered by Stephon Gilmore. He had a pretty game, pretty good game last night. By week four, week five against Philly. Oh, Ronald Darby or Jalen Mills. Um, week six against Dallas, Byron Jones or Chidobe Uzi. <laughs> week seven, Stephon Gilmore again. Uh, week eight, Jalen Ramsey. Okay, one of the best cornerbacks in all of football. Week nine, Miami, Xavier Howard. Then it lets up, finally, with Janoris Jenkins and the Giants. in week 10, week 10. Um, and mm-hmm. then Washington, Josh Norman uh, the next week. So, you know, when I look at this group, when I look at, um, you know, when I look at who this team is, uh, it's going to be a long slog for Robbie Anderson. Uh, if you have him on your fantasy team, I would highly recommend you trade him now because it's not going to work out for you um, before, you know, before the playoffs. I, I don't know. Do do you agree with that? Um, I, I certainly think like when I see what Jamison Crowder did yesterday his ability to to fight for the ball in traffic like it's going to be just a shorter you know slot you know lots of you know throws to the slot um and nunwa absolutely has to step up um but again like let's keep in mind like this is one of the best secondaries so hopefully some other players can emerge uh, but right, I mean, basically, Robbie Anderson has this list of guys looking at him. So it's going to be incumbent on guys like James and Crowder and Quincy Nemo to actually step up. Um, and and uh, Crowder did yesterday. Now it's a Numa's turn. Uh, we'll see. Uh, here's a thought. The wait for Chris Herndon, it, it's only three weeks away at this point now, but it's going to be excruciating. Yeah, oh, like, oh, my gosh,
3: it's like waiting for Christmas Day and you're eight years old. Like, I, I can't <laughs> wait for that guy to get back and give us give us that middle of the field um, element to this offense. You know, one one other thing here about, you know, the receiving core and kind of the, the play calling, you know, if, if you look at Darnold's game and obviously, you know, a, a lot of completions, not a lot of yards, like everything seemed to be obviously a lot shorter, um, you know, the majority of those throws to uh to Jameson Crowder but it just the game plan itself didn't feel like it was going to accentuate where he's strong like if you look at his numbers on rollouts you look at his number on um on some quick hits or like making a play happen like getting that guy in space letting him create a la Aaron Aaron Rodgers is like man that's that's a sweet place for him to be um and it didn't feel like you know, by design, at least, that he was able to do that. Obviously, he was scrambling a lot because the offensive line in front of him was awful. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like they're going to have to make some adjustments, you know, and, and I get it, still a new coach and a new, uh, you know, a, a second-year quarterback. And so, you know, everybody's still kind of getting used to this. But if we don't quickly game plan for his strengths, doesn't matter who's playing a wide receiver. There's not going to be a competent passing game. And so, you know, I feel like getting him in some space – creating some plays where, where Lev Bell's in the slot and letting Darnold kind of roll to his side, let, let Lev Bell do what Lev Bell does and find some space. Those are going to be important elements. I am excited for Herndon to get back, but the game plan of all of these pieces, you know, it, there's there's still the excitement for me in this offense, but we obviously didn't see it. Some of that is obviously attributed to, you know, one of the one of the best um, defenses in the league. But, you know, for a week one game plan where you've had all summer knowing that this was coming this felt very uninspired to me so I'm hoping we don't have to like we did much of last year harp on game plan and and execution but um you know hopefully they can get a little bit more creative with the weapons that they have they've got guys Brian like they've got guys that can make some plays um if we will if we will play to their strengths.
4: Hey guys Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast as we know the MLB season is back in our lives it's going to be a 60 game sprint
2: We we really didn't talk too much about Gase. Can, like quickly, you, you you mentioned it a little bit for a guy who basically sleeps four hours a night and eats pepperoni pizza every day, and He's you know was like does cocaine right? bumps on the sideline, right. right? Yeah, exactly. And you know was like ringing Duell uh, Lagaine's door, you know, at midnight, you know, and his wife would you know be waking up poor, you know, his poor offensive coordinator. Um, when you look at this team and his play calling like are you encouraged discouraged too early i I think it's a little too early still obviously you know it's week one it's
3: overreaction monday like i don't want to freak out but i do want to say that like there's going to have to quickly be you know as you reference some of the guys that robbie anderson's going to be lining up against like there's some good defenses coming up over the next you know eight weeks like everything from jacksonville to dallas to philly like these are these are defenses that have have some skilled guys and so we're going to have to get pretty creative. I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're running the offense from the Little Giants movie with starring Rick Moranis from the 90s. But, like, we do have to figure out how to get some of these guys in space, do some creative stuff that's going to give Lev Bell some space, do some things that's going to create room for Quincy to work. Like, it felt flat yesterday. I will start a GoFundMe for all the cocaine bumps that Adam Gaze needs <laughs> to create- to create whatever he's got to create um, during the week, and then go into Sunday, you know, as as high as he can sure. get uh, to, to keep this team inspired. <laughs> but um, you know, you can you can find me at cocaineforgace uh, dot com, and we'll <laughs> nice. we'll get a great right.
2: I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll we'll set that up. We'll, we'll get that set up today. So we've talked a bit about the, the offensive overall play calling and special teams and, you know, oh boy, like that was, you know, that was a little rough yesterday, but we need to really focus on one of the key groups that we talked about last week already, but that's the offensive line. So Travis, you watched the game. What were your impressions from what you saw? Kind of what Josh and I talked about is the fact that Le'Veon Bell was out there making lemonades out of lemons, but you can't plan for that forever but like this is going to be probably the fatal flaw of this group this this of this offense this year what did you see what did you think did you see any good things Would you, was it all bad like where 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 do you come down on this group
5: i saw a ragtag group out there just not making it happen um
1: <laughs>
5: yes it was it uh it was it was bad i mean uh there there were there were mistakes that i was seeing I didn't even expect, uh, you know, there was a couple, there was a couple of plays in particular where just sitting in the restaurant watching, uh, you know, the game on my computer, I could, I could tell that, you know, Ryan Khalil freaking missed a call, you know, the safety blitzes were coming out of everywhere there, you know, mm-hmm. just the, the calls at the line, like I, there, there's no excuse for what, what five sacks was a five.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think blitz? that's right. Yeah.
5: And, and three of those were, were in the first half alone. I mean, the protections were terrible. Um, Kid had no time. Um, it was – I'm not going to put everything on the offensive line. He played a shit game too. Yeah. Um, but the offensive line shit the bed completely. Uh, Osemile didn't look that great. Um, no. I, I, out, of, out of everybody, I was expecting that dude to kind of look good. And, and, you know, again, a lot of this goes back to the fact that these guys haven't played together um i it's it's just insane that the way it, the way it worked out that none of these guys you know could 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 have time on the field together because you know at, at the end of the day the offensive line is one unit, and everyone has to move like in tandem and and understand their blocks and understand their protections and understand you know everything that's going on they have to be the the, they have to play smarter than probably everyone else a wide receiver he can run a sloppy route and still make up for it quarterback he can botch a handoff and he can you know he can still you know make up for the play the offensive line there there's no making up for it like you you have to be on your bullshit quote Mm -hmm. unquote and and understand everything that's going on and understand the guy beside you so I'm hoping that, you know, come week four, once these guys have have had a few weeks together, it'll be better. But we don't have the luxury of waiting. I mean – Yeah, so, like, I I I, I think the question that I would have
2: is, like, by the end of the season, Travis, like, assuming there's no injuries, right, assuming this is still the same five uh, by the end of the season, like, is this group better week 14, assuming no
5: injuries? They will probably be better, but the thing is it's 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 in this, this flat circle we always talk about. Mm-hmm. Brian Khalil's not gonna be there next year. So you've got to, right. you're gonna have either either a rookie center coming in and we're dealing with it again for another year. Brian Winters, you know, I I I can't remember if his contract's up next year or not. I, I remember he got extended. I'll look it up, look it up while Beecham, you keep talking. Beachum's probably not gonna be there. Um, I no. we're 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 gonna be in another shifting mode. To be honest, I would I would even feel more comfortable after seeing the play yesterday with Harrison back in there. At least he's got a year with Darnold. At least he played all of the 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 preseason with everybody, um, and Khalil being the backup. I feel like there's there's at least a little bit of gel there. But you know I, I don't know. It's it's I, it's a problem that. You know, we we've put band-aids on for years now and we had you know, we had the luxury of having a great offensive line for so long. And you know, and that's not even an excuse because we've had turnover at the GM spot twice during that period three times during that period. Yeah,
2: You're really starting to see some of the issues that McCagnin, you know, created for this organization. Did he create a lot of cap space? Yes. Did he address some things? Yes. Did he address, did he, you know, um, bring in Sam Darnold? Yes. But like, did he miss on Matt Paradis? Yes. Like, and that scene, like the, the narrative that we, that we hear now, right. Is that essentially he was a target and he vacillated too much and wasn't able to pull the trigger, and so therefore he got away. And right, that's why we have uh, Khalil because he was, you know, he's according to Gase like a stopgap for you know the sins of earlier in the year. Um, you mentioned Brian Winters specifically um, in terms of his cap number, so he's on the books for next year, but he has a clean like zero dead money hit if they cut him, and he has a savings of seven. Point five million dollars, which essentially means if they want to keep him, they will restructure him, or he is out the door, probably out the door. I mean, I don't know. I, I would guess so. Colechi Assembly, who you mentioned as well, um, he is a zero cap hit if he uh, if he's cut uh, before June first next year, and he is an eleven million dollar point eleven point seven actually million dollar cap savings to the team. So between those two guys, you've got almost $20 million in space you could use to pursue free agents or, you know, other players or, you know, resign, double down on players you like. Um, I, I have to admit, assume, excuse me, that that those guys are gone. Um, and then, uh, who is the last Beecham? Yeah, Beecham is yeah, he's not on the contract. He's not under contract for next year.
5: That's so, what I so, thought. Right. I figured he's gone. Like no matter what, like yeah. the only one that's 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 under contract is Shell. Right. And he's at the end of his rookie contract, if I, if I remember yeah, correctly. I think
2: he, he's not under contract for next year. So they could oh, okay. tender, they could tender him, I believe, in 2020. But currently, right, they, they do not have a contract that extends into 2020. So if they like what they see, okay, maybe they extend him ahead of time. Um, and Or maybe they can, you know, the, I, I can't remember what his restriction status is, um, but but if he's at the end of his rookie deal, probably he he can go free if he wants to. So, yeah. right, there's a lot of things coming next year. Like, we're in the first game of the season. We're already talking about the, the line next year. That gives you a pretty strong sense – of, of what we think about this group. Um, yeah, there was no continuity. It were sloppy plays, you know, Lev did what he could. And I think the fact that, uh, Jameson Crowder had 14 catches, right. 14 catches, um, was a direct result of the fact of the, of the point that you already made, which was that, you know, the line was bad and he had no time. Now the kid had a, had a rough day. Um, and he, he, he made his own mistakes, that said, um, you know, like he had to go where he could with the football with the time he had, and yeah. th- there, there weren't a lot of choices. It was either Lev, you know, in, in, some, in some interesting circumstances where he had enough time to get him the ball downfield, or Jameson Crowder, pretty much nothing else worked. The one thing that I would say is like the cor- – and we talked about this, Josh and I, like the cornerbacks are so good in this group. This is one of the best secondaries, so I certainly think – you know, and they've got a pretty good you know defensive line to get some pressure. So those two things together certainly contributed, and the Jets are going to have some easier going in terms of the def- defensive line pressure than they than they saw this past week. But that said, like you know, uh, you know, it, it's still going to be a tough road for them all season. I just and I think um, you know, so so we're just going to have to see. Uh, what this group can do. But, right, I, I I don't imagine that this group can stay uninjured um, throughout the majority of the season. So, you know, even in a best-case scenario, maybe they're more continuous, continuous, more continuity, but um, but we we will have to see. Any other thoughts on the offensive line of things you saw?
5: No, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I went into the season as, you know, actually probably – Way more optimistic than I probably should have been. But, you know, I'm, I'm just really starting to get scared after, you know, a year and, and now a game of seeing the offensive line now. Right. That we're going to start getting into a David Carr situation where we've got this kid with tons of potential, but he's ruined because he just gets the crap beat out of him every game or he never has time to actually, you know, go through progressions in a game. Um, which stunts his, you know, is, is developing in his growth. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. He
2: kind of gets that like, um, just like, you know, happy feet. And then he just can't, he can't ever come back from that. Right. I, I'm yeah. very worried about that too. I mean, I think the one thing going in his favor is he's quite young. So hopefully that means there's a resilience there, but right. I think, I think the big thing for him is going to be, can I trust my coaches to do what's best for me? And right. I mean, we, we just saw with Andrew Luck, you know, talking about that, like we just saw with Andrew Luck, he could not trust his coaches. Now, no. I think the staff he has there, the staff he has there now, is is a good staff. He's got a good GM. He's got a good. He had a good coach in Frank Reich. But you know, but the problem was the people who were before him, and like you know, Chuck Pagano essentially saying like Andrew's going to be fine. It's fine. It's not a problem. You know, sticking his head in the sand on a situation where like clearly luck was just getting destroyed. And so, so it's gotta be incumbent on Gase. You know, if, if this continues this way, he's got to find a way to bunker his, his offense, you know, to get out of these, you know, these, you know, spread them out formations and play two tight end sets and, and, you know, and a back, uh, you know, to find ways to essentially, um, you know, protect max protect, um, this guy, because the, the go, I mean, if they, if they don't win the next couple games here, um, you know, you've got to basically get your quarterback through this season whole mentally yeah. and physically. I, I agree with you. I think that's a great point. All right, let's flip it over to the defense, Travis. So, um, on the whole, I think the defense was pretty great. Uh, when you talk about what the defensive line was mostly able to do, really the linebackers and the, and the safeties were astounding. Um, but like in the end, as it has been for the last couple years, it comes down to the cornerbacks. So let's talk about this group and, you know, kind of where we go. Um, first CJ Mosley, let's just, let's just, let's start with a high, a high point. All right. CJ Mosley is a beast. If he can stay healthy, yes, no.
5: Oh, absolutely! I mean that dude. That dude was our best coverage guy. Uh, watching him drop back into coverage mm-hmm. was amazing. Like we haven't had a linebacker that can do that. And to be honest, like I, I never really, I, I don't, I've never really read up on on like his time in Baltimore. I, I, hate I don't think he
2: was much of a coverage linebacker. But, really in yeah, Baltimore. I don't
5: recall him being a guy that's dropping back most of the time, which is i it's it's very bizarre to me because it's it really feels like okay he shouldn't be the he shouldn't have to do that yes. we've we've got i mean at the very least we've got Jamal Adams and Marcus May out there and watching that game i don't know if Greg Williams knows how to use Jamal Adams i mean he
2: what you're telling me, Greg Williams doesn't know how to properly use NFL safeties? What? No,
5: I mean, but but well, at the same, at the, <laughs> on the flip side, Marcus May had a freaking great game. He yes. was all over the place. Um,
2: he's amazing when he's. Healthy. From- I love Marcus yeah. May when he's healthy. The two of them are Batman and Robin. I mean, it's an amazing. It's so much fun to watch those safeties, and yeah, and to your point, adding CJ Mosley into the mix makes this a fascinating group um but right when when essentially your best coverage players are your safeties and a middle linebacker like you have real problems real yeah. problems
5: and watching watching Tremaine Johnson waving virtually may, maybe every other play because he he needs help on that side yeah. which Which to me, I mean, yeah, yeah, he does. Maybe he's just being self-actuating and like understanding that, yeah, I need help. I'm not very good, but also, Uh, yeah. Also, it's you know, how are we lining up wrong? I mean, what's what's going on? I mean, how? I don't understand.
2: I mean, you know, Josh Allen is not amazing. Like, I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, Josh Allen's not amazing. I mean, he's he's a he's a heck of a athlete. I mean, at least against the Jets, he certainly looks to be a better thrower than he was a year ago. Um, I'm very curious to see what we'll think of Josh Allen three, four weeks from now. Um, But but the big thing that I think about when I think about Josh Allen and, and watching the game yesterday was how the hell is he diming players on the outside boundaries and there's not a guy within three to five yards of that player? Like, I don't know how many times John Brown did that or, you know, other players, you know, kind of on the boundary were just like, there There was not a player close to them, uh, a cornerback close to them. And then, right, someone has to come over the top to, to basically stop or disrupt the play. The cornerback is nowhere to be seen or his back is to the ball or whatever. Um, and, and so, like, I just, when I think about this defense, like, I think about, Um (laughs) I've used this analogy before but the the magic line it's just it's just differently oriented. Like there are some units you'll see in the NFL um that are like their defensive line is amazing and their whole secondary is trash, or um or you know vice versa. And so if if you're not familiar with your World War II history, um after World War I, the French built this basically barrier fortress wall. Between them and the Germans, they didn't want to see what happened, happen again. Well, they built this amazing barrier wall, like along the Rhineland or wherever it was. But the problem was when World War II happened, Germans knew where the line was, knew where the line ended. And they're like, oh, we'll just go through Belgium. It's cool. So they basically just went up, down, back into into Paris, right? and and it was over. It was over. And so when I think about this defense, right, I think about how strong they are in the center guys like McClendon guys like Mosley guys like Adams. But when I think about the edges of this defense, like it is so problematic. Like I think we're just going to see this all year. Like, is this something that Greg Williams can adjust over the course of the season? Because my point is when, when Josh Allen and John Brown are doing this to you. Like, what are the Patriots going to do to you?
5: Yeah, what's going to happen when you're when you're facing, you know, Josh Gordon and right. Antonio Brown? What's going to happen next week when we're facing Jarvis Landry and you know Odell Beckham? Right. Um, right. I mean, it's ter- freaking uh, Tremaine Johnson. Like, he was playing seven to a solid twelve yards off the receivers every single play. I don't. I. I if I was the if I was Sean McDermott, I would have been wide receiver screening the crap out of the Jets way more than he did, because you know when when you're playing twelve yards off, what I mean, what what's going to happen? What? Yeah, it, it's, it's not good. And then direct or fricking uh, Daryl Roberts was doing the complete opposite and was essentially on on the backs of the receivers every single time, getting holding calls. Um, it, it was it was bad, real bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: play like a jet play like a jet when i think
2: about like you know this this year is is essentially to be endured you know the, the cornerbacks are to be endured uh, all year like and, and it's not getting better no one is walking through the, do- the door they're not trading for somebody like they've just got to figure out how to hold the fort and how to scheme and when you've got greg williams like i'm sorry but he's not going to scheme you to success um, you know, for as whatever people think about him, like, he's just not going to scheme you to success. The game has passed him by and his players basically just need to do what they need to do. Um, and oh on whatever he's calling for them. Um, and then, and then right on the, as we talked about on the offense, like, as we said, like, we've got to find ways to max protect for, um, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for Sam Darnold. Um, but right. What when, when the, I mean, the other thing too, that was problematic was, you know, Devin Singletary, like, I, I don't know if you um, saw this, but he really didn't play. I mean, he played a good bit in the game, but he didn't really like do anything until the end of the game. Um, and I mean, the this,
5: Bill didn't even run a running play until the almost the second half.
2: Right. And so, so Devin Singletary like he was a, a third round pick. Um, you know, he has come on all training camp. He is uh, the definition of kind of like a. Like a like a tryhard kind of player, like he is not uh, an uber athlete. Uh, I mean, okay, so he is he is two hundred and three pounds, 5'7", and his forty yard dash time is a four six six, which essentially gives him a fifteenth percentile speed score, which is atrocious. Uh, now, now the now here, here's here's the real real right. So the real real with him is what always made him great when he was at Florida Atlantic. Was his vision and his patience,
5: and so what you saw? So essentially, him, he's like he's like Mini Curtis Martin,
2: right? Right. I mean, he is he is. Look, what I saw from him was like he was watching plays develop. He knew where he could cut, and he knew how he could take advantage of defense. He would make that one cut, and bam, he was gone through the line. And then you know it's twenty yards downfield before anybody's catching up to him. Um, and and like. So so my point is like he's not an uber athlete. He just has great vision and the holes and the gaps in this defense uh and kind of the we would say gap control, right? Like it was just rough, really rough. So um so th- they have to figure it out because again, like this is the Bills guys, like Patriots, uh you know, Browns, like who whoever they're playing coming up on the calendar, like it's going to get a lot worse uh, unless they can kind of get their gap control fixed and together. At least
5: uh, we played the Dolphins twice. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. After what Lamar Jackson did yesterday, can't wait for those weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, Well, I think that's enough. I think we've, I think we've beat the, uh, the defensive dead horse enough. So we're going to move on. Josh has a, a stat of the week for us. All right, Josh, take it from here.
3: Yeah, so from the brilliant, the brilliant line of Bill Barnwell from ESPN comes this stat. Since 2000, the year 2000, think back, turn of the millennium, the willennium began in 2000. Um, teams with a plus-four turnover margin went 100 and Did you just say willennium? Oh, sure okay. did. Go, go back and listen to some Will Smith. Uh-huh. Throw on some Janko jeans. We're going back to 2000. Love it. Let's do it. Anyway. Teams with a, a plus-four turnover margin – went 177 and 6. So yesterday, despite four first half takeaways, the Jets became the seventh team to lose despite winning the turnover battle. Even worse, ready for this? Mm. They're the first team Brian and Travis to blow a 16 nothing lead with four turnovers on defense since the Bears beat the Cardinals in 2006. So,
2: guys, is that, is that bad? That's, that's pretty bad, right? Uh, I think that's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, it's nice that the numbers even out to 177 and 7, um, you know, instead of that, that ugly 6 there. But, um, yeah, that the Jets were the ones that made it to 7. I mean, that, that is it's the point is, like, the improbability of how bad the offense and special teams were as a result, uh, you know, is, is mind-blowing just just mind work. and like this is the thing that happens when you have a bad secondary and um it, you just you can't stay in a game and when you have a bad offensive line you can't get the time you need to make the plays you want to make so the fact that the jets were one of seven teams with a plus four turnover margin was a and lost the game um was a historic event well, another historic event happened yesterday at the Meadowlands. I don't know if all of you are familiar, but the story, uh, you know, came out during the week that Fireman Ed was making his triumphal return as, as the leader of the chant. Um, he's fired up about the team. He believes Adam Gase is one of the best coaches he's ever talked to. Uh, he's ready to ready to you know get that crowd rolling. And uh, and then and I don't think this is a trolling tweet. I think this is a legitimately. Um, valid tweet from having watched the game, um, you know, through kind of on on, uh, on, on a screen. But, uh, but so, so this is from Manish this morning at 8.15, uh, Monday morning. He writes, the Jets need to discount ticket prices or give some away for free because there were way too many empty seats at MetLife Stadium and way too many Bills fans in the building. Uh, the Bills defensive players were actually waving their arms to rile up the crowd because there were so many Bills fans. Travis,
5: ouch! Yeah, that's not good. Um, but when you put out when you put out a shit product year after year, who do you you know? What do you expect? Right. You know, if if I put out crap food in my restaurant, you know, it's it's going right. to be a law of diminishing returns. You know, if 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 I keep just you know not doing a good job of putting out what people want, there's going to be less and less people going, right. or there's going to be people that you know like to eat crappy food. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, that's probably not a great analogy, but
2: no, no, it's a perfect analogy. Like you have to have a product that people want and think is valuable. Right. And yeah. so now we, now we're to the point where, I mean, some of the stadiums I saw yesterday kind of flipping around the dial, you know, on TV, like, um, you know, they're raucous, they're, they're rolling, but you know what? I mean, all those teams where the home environment is intimidating. You know the big uh, the big similarity in those in those stadiums is they have put out a good product consistently for a number of years and their fans are all in right? Think about Seattle, think about New England, yeah. um, you know, think about, you know, whatever team you want that has a, a, you know, I know the, the, the Steelers weren't at home, um, but, but, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. And like, and so, you know, I was flipping around, uh, you know, before, before I went to my son's flag football game and I, and I caught a little bit of the Ravens game and, you know, it was in Miami and it's a beautiful stadium and it's going to be the home of the Super Bowl this year, but there were so many Ravens fans cheering you know, four Ravens and Raven plays and Raven touchdowns, um, and it was you know it's it's always been like that in Miami as as long as I can remember for I don't know twenty years I feel like it's been like that. It's a vacation spot for fans to go to in order to see their team and get a hotel, uh, you know, uh, on Miami Beach, the Fontainebleau or the Ritz-Carlton or whatever, enjoy themselves, have a great time, and then go to the game and then fly home uh, hungover. And so, like, I am deathly afraid that we are on the edge of basically becoming Miami North. And it's easy for you and I to say, I mean, we're hundreds of miles away from the team, but, like, I mean, this is about pride at this point, right? Like, I mean, what, yeah. what, 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 are, what is the answer? What can the Jets do? Is Manish's, I mean, you know, can't believe I'm saying Manish, Manish has a point, but Manish has a point. Um, what can the Jets do to intervene and get the fan base kind of back on their side, um, engaged, I mean, other than, <laughs> other than winning? And uh, is there anything they can do or is it just about winning?
5: I mean it's it's just about winning and and for the team I mean essentially I feel like the the jets have gaslighted like you and I for our entire lives like I, we we go into these seasons with with this optimism and like oh man it's going to be different this year and it never freaking is and um you know I I'll, I'll, I'll give them like a little bit of a pass yesterday I mean the Yankees are playing the Red Sox in town um you know there's we're at that weird point where there's still a lot of different, you know, yeah. kids are back out.
0: in school.
2: It's first week of school, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right.
5: And it was, it, you know, it was the bills, you know, if it had been like the the Patriots, it might've been a different thing. You know, I, I to be honest, like I think a lot of people might've even thought, okay, I'm not even going go to go this game. It's, 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 you know, it's going to be crap. Um, yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, and I think, I think, right. It's just, it's a bad product. And, you know, fans are going to say like, why why am I spending hundreds of dollars and, you know, lots of time sitting in traffic or, you know, on, on mass transit to, to deal with this. And I mean, I I get it, you know, they're loyal fans and I respect the hell out of fans who go there every game. um, And, you know, and, you know, give of their Sunday, their time and their treasure to, to cheer this team on and much respect but at the same time, right, like, it's got to come down to winning. So it just – I think what bums me out when I think about it is, like, this is Sam Darnold's second year. There's a lot of hope around Darnold. Um, You know, he had a great end of the season last year. Certainly the coaching staff has changed. They made some changes, maybe not all the changes, but they got, you know, one of the premier star running backs in the league. And, right, they they basically are – you know, there's no shows in terms of seats – or, you know, folks are selling their tickets on StubHub to Bills fans who are happy to, you know, take the Southwest flight down or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, so, like, that's, you know, that certainly bums me out. Um, and, and I just, I hope that they can put a product together. But, you know, like, I, I, think, I think, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, special teams is a problem, and hanging your hope on, you know, a guy who was drafted and then cut by his own team Um, You know, that's a problem that shows a little bit of a a hubris. Um, You know, Adam Gase is not the prince who was promised. Like, I'm I'm sorry, I've been saying this from day one. Um, He might be good and he might stay up late, but, you know, sleep four hours a night or whatever, according to all the stories about him. But I would rather he get a solid night's sleep and, you know, not need smelling (laughs) salts and cocaine to get himself rolling for a game. Um, you know, and, and then, and then like when you basically, you know, and it's not Douglas's fault, but when you essentially neglect positions like cornerback and offensive line, like it's going to make for a long year. You have yeah. other, other thoughts, uh, you know, around kind of what we need to, um, hunker down for when it comes to this season?
5: No, I mean, I'm just. I just got a bad feeling. i be bummed out by week seven, like really badly. Uh, <laughs> like looking at the first six weeks, look. I mean, we've got the Browns next week. We've got the Pats. We've got the Eagles. We've got the Cowboys. I mean, we're playing some some teams. Really that, good
2: teams. Yeah,
5: yeah. And and we're we're not playing even okay. So yeah, I, I really right. feel like you know that it's
3: just a brutal loss. I mean, you know, coming into this season. A little bit of like the are the Jets going to be kind of sneaky good? Could they sneak into a wild card spot? You know, by week twelve, are they going to be in the running for a playoff position? And then to lose to a team that seemingly is on the same plane in the Bills, um, and the Bills are they're they're kind of similar. You know, offense is all brand new. They got all, all new guys all over the place. Their defense is pretty good. Um, you know, they're they're in a similar position as the Jets, and, and now we're a leg down on a team that is right in kind of our class of teams. And so, you know, the next few weeks are going to be really telling. Um, I am not looking forward to seeing Antonio Brown in two weeks. I am not looking forward to seeing Baker Mayfield next week. I am not looking forward to that Philly offense and defense Um, on the fifth Zeke Elliott on this in week six back to new England. Like this is going to be a killer stretch for them. Um, That doesn't really lessen up until the second third of the, of the schedule. So they've got to squeeze out a couple wins here and not go into, you know, week eight sitting at one and seven, if they can be three and six, I actually think they're going to have a decent chance, but Find three wins in the next nine weeks, and and I, I'd be I'd be pretty optimistic about that. So we'll see. I I wasn't thrilled, but I don't know anybody else that would have been thrilled from the from the Jets fandom. Um, but we are we are on to Cleveland. We are on to week
2: two. No, I was going to say it's crazy crazy to think about. Do you remember that Houston game last year where the Jets? Yeah. I mean, they fought to the death, and and you know, man, was that a tough game? And they played a hell of a game against some of the best players in the league. And and those players, you know, gave, gave respect. J.J. Watt was like, hey, man, this kid's good. Um, yeah. You know, and so, like, I am so proud in what they did in that loss to Houston. Um, You know, and it's like, I just, I need, I need some of that. You got to give me some of that this year. I'm not expecting you to go to the playoffs, but you got to give me some of that Houston game. I got to see that this year. And and the way it started, like, it's it's going to be very interesting kind of going into the Browns game.
5: Yeah, because you know, I, I i was I wasn't on the gay bandwagon for a long time, and to be honest, like hearing him talk and everything, I kind of drank the Kool Aid a little bit. But after <laughs> seeing the play calling that happened yesterday, you know, it's 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 I don't know. You're telling me you he didn't make
2: Peyton Manning a Hall of Fame player? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, no, he
5: exactly. Doesn't... Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm I'm, I'm putting the Kool Aid back on the counter for okay. now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Kool-aid, yeah. Kool-Aid
2: man busted down the wall. Now he's got to walk backwards.
5: Yep, yep. Oh, Back. no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. We're going to leave it there. Thanks, Travis, for your time, and uh, we will talk to you next week.
5: Yep. I'll be surlier probably.
0: No laws no
2: to- with claws, boys.
0: Thanks for listening to Play Like a Jet Presents. There's always next year with Brian Bassett, Travis Milton, And Josh Conrad, just want to remind you real quick that fantasy football season is here, and this season there are more ways to win than ever, because FanDuel's got more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experience during every single game, every week. I know what you're thinking. But I've never played with FanDuel before. That's actually good because new users get 20 bucks in site credit if they deposit 20 bucks in a FanDuel daily fantasy league. Which, by the way, I like way better than a season-long league because it gets boring. You have the same players. Yeah, you can tinker with the roster here and there. But this way, you get a brand new team every single week. And injuries and underachievers don't screw up your entire season. Sign up now for FanDuel and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 to get started. And you'll get an extra five bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. Don't forget to follow Brian, Travis, and Josh on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn TurnOnTheJets.com.